Bet365 sponsor our podcast and feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. With the domestic season returning, you can use the Bet365 Bet Builder to combine a wealth of bets, including match results, players to score, number of goals, to create your own personalised bet. And... If you want to feel closer to the action, then use the Bet365 Match Live feature. Become part of Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company, by downloading the app from your app store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to From the Rooker End, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John. With me today is Jason. Hello there. Uh, the Athletic's Watford correspondent, Adam Leventhal. Hello. And Mike. Yeah, put that on all or nothing, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, but did you notice, Mike? Have you watched it? You watched it then? Well, I'd started watching it with Arlo and it took me a long time to, to get through the first episode because Arlo was laughing so much at the swearing. He rewound it every time uh, <laughs> uh, Mourinho uh, swore. So it took us about three hours to do 45 minutes. So I've only watched the first episode. But his first 30, uh, 60 seconds or so, there was a, a Tottenham goal against Watford from the 1980s, wasn't there? Which was a great start. Thanks a lot. Uh, anyway, it's been 42 days since the season finished. We are five days away from the new championship season starting on Friday night against Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough, and we're just one day after Watford won two one over Amazon Prime's Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> it, it, you know, Mike, we it, it is a pre-season game. We saw new players, we saw the new manager, and what might happen. We're going to discuss that. But am I getting carried away? I know it's the morning after. I'm a little bit giddy, a little bit buoyant. I need you to get me back to normality because this is the championship. I know this is a championship season coming up. Am, am I getting too excited? Do you think? Well, of course you are. Pre-season friendlies mean absolutely nothing. Um, we shouldn't read anything. No, I think, we are, I think we, we've got every right to be excited. What I found fascinating yesterday was watching the sort of action unfold on, on social media. I think everyone was sort of waiting with bated breath for the, for the team to be announced, weren't they, after, after the sort of Scunthorpe situation where no one was uh, allowed to know who was, uh, who was playing. So everyone was, A, waiting to see when they'd announce the team, and then B, of course, who would be on that team sheet. And I think there was a sort of ripple of most people had steeled themselves for it not to be potentially a first eleven, but there was a ripple of oh my god, we won't get up, we won't get back up with that team, we won't do this, we won't do that. And then as the game progressed, and as Watford basically played incredibly well, everyone started going, "Ooh, this looks nice. I like this system we're playing. Look how hard they're working. He looks good. That looks good." Um, so yeah, as pre-season friendlies go, I think plenty, plenty of positives to take from that. Quite excited. It was, and Jason, in terms of what we saw. Let's talk about the, the, the team rather than individuals, first of all. It's the first time most of us have seen a decent sort of uh, outing from uh, an Ivich Watford team. What did we see, though? What, what's Vlad going to do? How do you think he's, he's, how did he set Watford up? Was it, was it, was it good? Let, let, let's answer the uh, how did he set up question first. I, I saw it as a sort of a 3 4 2 one. I think the three was obvious when we saw the team line up. Um, I think the first thing that struck me with the lineup was uh, perhaps a lack of striking options. We had Gray and then we had Murray on the bench. And then in the starting 11, we had Keener and Deli Bashiru. And not really sure what, with the brief glimpses we've had of Keener, what, what attacking force they could bring. So that was my initial concern. But when they started off those first 10 minutes, I think Tottenham had the ball for a couple of minutes and then we started to get our first sessions of possession, so to speak. It looked pretty good. And the the thing that struck me straight away was how quickly we were able to move the ball around. Now, across many of the last five Premier League seasons, we've seen our teams play the ball across the the back four looking for openings. And it was all quite lethargic and and static and, and not much movement going on up front in a lot of cases. Yet, yesterday, we seemed to be encouraged to move the ball quite quickly um, and as the game wore on there were even a couple of times where I think our, our wing backs were exchanging passes and we were more than happy to switch the ball from flank to flank and and already that was getting getting me excited. He's obviously keen to use wing backs, he did against Scunthorpe, he did again this week and that means and we'll talk about the individuals later but that that places a lot of importance on those players 
The wing backs will need to defend. We saw that happening. They were getting back into a into a five very quickly when Tottenham had possession. But they need to attack. They need to get to the byline. They are the guys responsible for providing the width in that team. Um, and I think we saw that in spades from those two guys yesterday. Uh, very, very impressive. And Adam, I suppose that, that's all the beautiful things. And we that sort of feels like that's that's plan A and how he wants to set up. But were you... It's been such a short amount of time. Are you surprised at how at how we played so well and actually how much you know Vlad has achieved in such little time? Vlad, I like that. Just straight in with Vlad. <laughs> you call him that first, John. V Dog. <laughs> yeah. Come on, V Dog. We'll, we'll be right behind you. Yeah. Um, in terms of being impressed, yes, very much so. I, I'm not necessarily sure if I'm that surprised though, because. Um, sort of having looked into him as a as a person and as an operator, this is what he does. He gets people working in a disciplined fashion, um, gets them organised. And, you know, I suppose a lot of people would be thinking when he came into the club, oh, yeah, but he's not managed Watford before. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bit crackers at Watford, especially after last season. He's not going to be able to do what he's done before, especially because it was, you know, not considered a top league in, in Israel and not considered a top league in, in Greece. But, you know, he's done exactly what he was supposed to do, get a side that was low on confidence, organised again. And, you know, like what Jason and Mike have said there, it was it was really heartening to see the team working their, their nuts off for him. And, you know, there was that clip of, I think it was just in the last minute of stoppage time in the first half, where the ball was in the, the Tottenham penalty box, and it was lumped forward by Spurs for a counter-attack. And there was probably, what, eight, nine players all dashing back. And I remember last season, I think it was, or maybe the season before when, when um, Marcelo Bielsa took over at Leeds. And there was a similar clip doing the rounds then of how there was that sort of swarm players getting back because they were working hard for their manager. And we saw that exact replica um, at Watford yesterday at Vicarage Road. So I think all in all, yes, for him to have done it in such a short period of time is very impressive, but we shouldn't be surprised. What we perhaps should be a little bit surprised is that he's been able to do it ultimately by himself because his assistant coach, Milos Velasanovic, who's his sort of loyal assistant who he's worked with um, down the years, he's not yet by his side. Um, he's also bringing in a strength and conditioning coach as well, Peter Malkanovic. Um, they're not there yet. There's been delays in, in terms of how they've been able to come over due to uh, visas, COVID, a combination of both, I think. So, you know, this has been this guy coming into Watford with all these players coming and going and actually getting players focused and on it from day one. And to produce a performance like that against a, you know, a decent Spurs side, I think is is very very encouraging. Let's not go too far, even though I probably oh come have. on, Let's go. <laughs> but, you know it's in, at the very least it's really really encouraging. So um, you know let's let's hope so. I will break character for for a moment and just <laughs> that that clip that you mentioned there, Adam. And and again, we can't take too much you know out of context. And it's it's a preseason friendly, and Spurs won't have been yada yada yada. But you mentioned low confidence, but the, one of the hallmarks of the the sort of Watford performances in the run-in, perhaps apart from Arsenal, was was low energy as well, I felt. It was just a very sort of um, flat performances from Watford. So to see that, see that team, like, and using the word swarm was absolutely right, steaming back to get back into, into position, I think speaks volumes about what, what Ivic is doing there and just speaks volumes about what they're, what they're ready to do and that they're accepting what's expected of them. And, and I almost heard sort of angels singing, soaring orchestral music as I saw that sort of, <laughs> the pennies finally drop, that come on lads, put the effort in and we can be a decent football team. I thought that was, hopefully, that, that is, a, is a really good portent for the, for the season. But I was so, so thrilled to see that. It just, that's what we're after, after as, as, um, a supporter, isn't it? A change because last year was so dispiriting, so so depressing, so sort of never-endingly lethargic and 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 flat. And just those those glimpses, it's make us make us believe again. I think so. Yeah, I think it ended yesterday hugely positive. There's one other element that I wanted to mention as well about a clip like that. That you've also got players who were playing yesterday who are thinking, I really want to be in the side. 
Mm. And I'm thinking, well, I've seen, you know, a central defender come in on loan. Uh, we've got, you know, other strikers lingering around. There's talk of other midfielders coming in. I want to show this guy that I want to be in the team. So you've got you've got players motivated to impress the head coach. And also part of what he has done in the past, as I understand it, I, I, I wasn't a regular Maccabi Tel Aviv um, watcher, I must admit. But the, the big thing about him was, you know, improving the entire squad. So, you know, even if the likes of, uh, I don't know, say Capoose Day or Hughes Day, and we'll go into more detail a little bit later on, you know, you've got a whole um, pool of players that are thinking, well, no, look, I've put in a great performance here. And that's, and his thing is, if you play well and you do your job, you can keep your place. So to have that genuine competitiveness and you don't have players um, outside of the squad who are just sort of, hanging around and going a bit stale, you have that sort of collective motivation, which I think is, is another really positive thing. We, there's a thing in you know, hearing things about, about uh, Ivic, Vlad, um, that, the, that you know, he wants people to be competitive for their place. He, he isn't going to be sticking with the same starting 11 just because they're the team, they're my team, that's who I want to do with. He's quite happy, isn't he, Adam, to sort of flick around and to make changes and have a complete squad who are ready to go. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, you know, the, the saying that has been um, spoken to me on a number of occasions from a number of people that I've spoken to, it's all about the 1 to 25, not the, the 1 to 11. Um, so, and I, I think that that's going to be a big thing in the championship in particular, that it's going to be impossible to have the amount of games at such a sort of high frequency every three days without changing the, the squad around. So, you know, you almost need to look at it and think, right, well, there are some positions whereby if, say, you know, Stupinan is, is number one, who is going to be our backup left back and are they going to be happy? Well, they're probably going to be able to play quite a lot. And if that's Adam Messina, then fine. It might be sort of a rotational thing. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see what squad he ends up with um, by October time. But but all in all, I think what he's managed to do, working with a, with a pool of players initially... And that's that's worth remembering that, you know, a huge amount of the players that are sort of on the potentially leaving list haven't really been part of the squad. So he's been working with the with the fringe players and the backup squad, and he's got those sort of performances already. So if some of those players filter back in and they can get on the same page and think, right, well, yeah, I've got to work my nuts off now to, to, to get into this team, then it, it should be a really positive place. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son called Arlo. And we've got a new season ahead of us. And we'll find out what Arlo wants to see happen in our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. It's Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. Now we're speaking to you. It's less than a week now before the start of the championship season. Watford about to get their campaign underway. What are some of the things that you want to happen this season for Watford? I want to sign some new players and I want to come in the top five. And anything in particular you want to sort of experience or happen? Going to... Like, I want to watch a team that's not, like, close to us. Like, not, like, Brentford or somewhere like that. I want to go to Middlesbrough or somewhere. Oh, you want to go on a big away day. So, finishing the top five, go on an away day. Anything else? Win the championship. That'll do for me. Arlo, thanks very much for joining us. Bye. We got to see some players play for Watford uh, and that was fun for lots and lots of reasons. Let's talk about some of those individuals. Jason, you talked earlier on about the, about the wing-backs. Estupinian and, uh, and Ngakia, they were exciting. They were running back, they were running forward, Jason. Perfect. I mean, they're, they're, they're exactly what we've, we've always dreamt of. Absolutely, and, and quality on the ball as well. I, you know, a, couple of, a couple of moments you could pick out for each player, just sort of highlighted how good they were yesterday. For Ngakia, there was a, a ball he played through for Kina early in the second half when Kina's probably disappointed that he didn't score. He lobbed it over Gazaniga and got it just, just the wrong side of the post. 
but it was a, a lovely moment of football and and a, and a bit of quality that wouldn't look out of place in the in the Premier League. And you sort of you wonder what West Ham are doing not to hang on to these these players that they, they're letting go to us. Um, and I, and I'm not even sure there is anything that you could pick out with Ngakia that you could say, okay, there's there's where he's a bit raw. That's where he's lacked game time. That's where he's a young lad. I didn't see any of that yesterday. He had the the attacking qualities, but also the mindset to get back and, and defend for the team. There were there were no issues or concerns there at all. And probably similar with Stupinan as well, where his his close control control of the ball for let's say a defender is sort of sort of belies that that position. His his ability on the ball was superb. The only thing I would say with him was there were a couple of times where I thought he wanted a bit more time hold on to the ball maybe a bit too long that sort of didn't go with the, the general flow of the game where we were sort of increasing the tempo um, and a couple of times where he could have maybe have got a crossing earlier. We know Rivic likes to put early balls into the box or so we're told. He didn't do that a couple of times but that probably comes from playing in the Liga last season where he would have had that time and I'm sure he'll get to learn quickly that in the Championship you get defenders on you very, very quickly. Beautiful also, Mike, the fact that Ben, Wil- ben Wilmot came in and came back and he, he's playing and he sort of really seemed to get what the fans excited but he, he definitely seems like an older head uh, than we were uh, than you would expect of a, a boy a man of his age well he does and he, I mean he looks he looks older doesn't he I don't know if it's his sort of big hair, haircut that he's got now but uh, I'm not going to talk too much about hair for, uh, for <laughs> obvious reasons anyway but but it's a, it's a, I think it's a great example of when you know we've bemoaned slightly the, the loan situation with, with lots of our players out alone but this is a real good example of when it looks like it's going to work to our, our benefit really well because he's he's gone away had a year in a in a decent Swansea side obviously ended up getting injured but he he ingratiated himself evidently to to the Swansea supporters there they were they were very effusive about his performances and he was very you know you could see him he's very positive on social media and you could almost see him you know we were almost like the proud parents weren't we watching out the corner of our eyes as our, as our son chipped off to Swansea University for a for a year and <laughs> and now he comes back and like you say he looks every he looks like part. a hippie with a haircut, ain't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Benjamin, get your haircut. Put that put those joysticks out. Your room stinks. Um, um, but he looks every part the every part the centre back, doesn't he? And the Watford fans have been hopeful for about Ben Wilmot for quite a while, haven't they? And you know, he's one of the came from one of the less heralded clubs, of course. We signed him from Stevenage, where we've been signing players from from all over the, the world, slightly more exotic locations than, than just down the road. But he looks like he could, you know, like Ngakia, like like Kreena, ones that we've signed locally, almost from under the noses of others. And he looks like he could be a, a real find, doesn't he? And I just like his his positivity. I think, you know, we've spoken already about the, how the team feels fresher already and, and, and more invested in this this setup. And I think he'll be one who will be looking to to really advance his, his career with, with Watford. He, I just like him. I think he, he, he does everything right. He makes the right noises. And more importantly, he, he, he looks incredible great shape on the pitch doesn't he the thing that impressed me about Wilmot yesterday was um, his calmness for such a young lad mm. It, mm. it's clear that we're looking to, to play out from the back when we can and there are a couple of moments when Dawson on the other side got, got caught out doing that yet it didn't seem to phase Wilmot when he when he was playing out he was had time seemingly to put his foot on the ball look up see where the easy pass was make the pass without any fuss there were times where he did need to put his boot through it and he did put his boot through it when he did. So the decision making seems to be there as well. So it's all all very positive. And and the one the, the other good thing about seeing him playing again already is that he did get quite a nasty injury. I think at the towards the end of the season with Swansea last season. So to see him mm, come back yeah. and and looking fresh already is again is a positive for me. Adam, in the middle, uh, there were two young players. There was Tom Delebishiru and there was uh, Domingos Quina who scored his now classic. Uh, Queen of Goal from about fifty yards out. Uh, did you see? Uh, did you see Pat McNicholas? He tweeted. He said, well, um, "Domingos Keener has scored three goals uh, from a combined total of ninety-two yards." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good stat. That's a great stat. Let's let's see if we can break the hundred-yard mark this year. Uh, yeah, and he, yeah, he absolutely queened it uh, as we can use the verb uh, into the back of the net. But out of those two, it, it feels like Queener had that performance where you're going, you, you know, Tom wasn't not pushing himself and, and trying to sort of, as you say, like, like show he can be part of a Vlad starting 11. Um, but Queen has felt a little bit closer 
I think he he's always going to draw more attention to himself because of the way he plays the game. I, I think you know he he's got that tight control in very very difficult situations. He can he can move very quickly. He's got good pace. He he's exciting to watch. So he's he's always going to sort of draw your eye to him a little bit more than than Tom Deli Bashiru. But I think you know I'd, I'd like to give. Um, Tom Deli Bashiro uh, quite a lot of praise because he just slotted in there, did a job in a you know a competitive Tottenham midfield, including you know Dele Ali. Let's not f- forget. So um, I thought he was actually probably the most impressive of the three central midfielders. I, I thought that Nathaniel Shalabar looked looked off it. I don't think he was quite at the races yet and I know he's been a little bit behind in terms of his training but Deli Bashiro is, is another example of someone who was there right from the start under under Ivic so he's sort of right up to speed with how he wants to play and the same can be said for, for Tom Cleverley as well obviously playing as as captain he's also coming back from you know a whole episode of, of injuries and from his point of view I think you know if, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things he's probably our most experienced most decorated player that that we have and probably will be in in the championship if you think about it of you know what he's done in the past and played for England and things like that so you know we, we've almost sort of forgotten how good Tom Cleverley can be so I think when you look at you know the the players that potentially can come back in if we were to go into the season with the midfield that that started you go well that's pretty solid the problem is that they have been the, the the backup cast to you know the first teamers for for quite some time, and then you wonder who is now below them, and if those players that they have replaced, if they were to stay, would they be happy on the sidelines? So it's it's a very very complicated sort of scenario that you've got. But I mean, going back to Domingos Kina, you know he is someone that they are, as I as I understand it, going to sort of build the attacking third around really he he has to play in that sort of number 10 role but he can also play anywhere across the, the sort of the, the attacking three or also can slot in into sort of a more a, a deeper midfield role as well so he's got that sort of flexibility but I think whatever happens they will try and get him into the side because he is you know an exceptional exceptional talent and you think oh if only he, he had been sort of looked after properly quite a while ago because we could have been seeing this a bit more you felt under Javi when he came in and he had that run of games you thought right okay great okay Capu's come back in Decore's come back in I can't it was it was Capu that he came in for wasn't it why wasn't it sort of built on then it seems like there's just been a sort of a year of of fallowness that should have been avoided really with with Kino and I'm really glad to see him in there and hopefully you know he can kick on I do wonder whether and you know we are perhaps getting well I'm perhaps getting a little bit ahead of myself but you know you, the, the the names we're mentioning like especially like people like Delhi Bashiru as well they're they're youngsters who who almost feel like they've they, they've come box, box out of the box ready don't they they look look the part to a degree yeah and the fact that Queenie was, I think a lot of supporters have, have have wanted to see him used a lot more. But I just wonder whether that little bits about, you know, he was he was at Andre Gray's birthday party and that horrible incident. And, and there, there were other people around the, the place that you've mentioned have been have been missing this year. Adam so far who may or may not be departing and I just think whether these these youngsters are now being able to flourish a little bit perhaps because of the absence of of some of those players who have been around for a little while who probably would have influence in the in the effectively the bigger boys who have been you know if these guys are, are, are starting in year seven the upper six lads who are sort of uh, <laughs> ruling the corridors and and You're just doing and, a full sort of education comparison can you tell yeah. my kids have gone back to school this week <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Arlo's gone to Swansea University. He's only eight. <laughs> uh, uh, but do you, you know, I mean, I just wonder whether they feel they're they're being able to a combination of of Ivic and his um, his sort of new broom, if you like, and perhaps the lack of I'm not saying bad influence, but just perhaps they're being allowed to express themselves a, a, little, a little bit more without the without the sort of looming figures of um, some of the more established players. I, I don't know. I might be getting a, yeah. a a bit a bit a bit carried away. I think you're bang on. It's it's a clean slate, isn't it? When you've got a new head coach, that's that's always going to change the dynamic. If you also then take out a lot of senior players who aren't around, and you are all sort of, it's like, 
you know, say if you, when you were at school and you would you would maybe have a week off because you were unwell or you took a holiday and then you're coming back into a classroom and they've been, you know, teaching this whole subject and you're sort of playing catch up. You've got all these kids that know exactly what's going on. And I would have thought that, you know, for the, for the players that come back, whether they do come back or not, they'll be walking into this new classroom where everyone's sort of getting on together, know exactly what's going on and be feeling, oh, hang on a minute. I'm, I, I thought I was, you know, one of the kingpins here, but, but maybe I'm not. And it shows you how quickly things can change as well. People, you know, look at um, senior figures and think, oh, well, you know, how are we going to live without X or Y or Z? Well, yeah, it moves on. And if you play well and you're organised and you're disciplined and the, the dots are joined from head coach to, to players and everyone's on the same hymn sheet, then, you know, you can, you can almost sort of be forgotten very, very quickly, I think. Uh, Jason, other sort of uh, players to sort of give a little of a doth of a cap to. You know, we saw some lovely uh, late appearances from uh, Jao Pedro, Peñaranda, who is still here apparently, uh, and uh, also Sierra Alta. Yep, Sierra Alta looked looked solid enough. I think overall, uh, and as the game were on, Tottenham had a bit more possession, but, but they didn't really threaten us as a unit. We were well set up defensively. That they didn't create too many opportunities. The other two, I, I, I'm pleased you mentioned them together because I wanted to sort of talk about them side by side almost. Shell Pedro came on and whilst still looking a little bit raw, seemed to make some some good decisions in terms of what he was doing with the ball. We had the ability to to run and carry the ball as we were sort of soaking up that that possession pressure from or sort of territory pressure from Tottenham he was able to sort of take the ball on 50 60 yard runs into the corner maybe his his then his decision his final delivery or what to do next with the ball didn't quite come off for him but he seemed to be making the right choices being intelligent about it Penuranda I'm not so sure I, I thought he was running up his own backside a bit He'd, he'd try the same sort of thing. He'd want to sort of carry the ball, but he just seemed to be running into trouble all the time or trying to do things that in the wrong areas of the pitch. And, and I was a little bit disappointed with him when he when he came on, to be honest. Um, and I think there were differences between those two players, both still a bit raw, but Pedro seemed to have more of a football head on him than, than Peñaranda did yesterday. Do we need to give a little um, a little nod towards, towards Andre Gray? I thought he looked... Um... I think I think he looked okay. I thought he looked um, a different player and a, and a decent proposition yesterday. I completely agree. I think he he looked like he fitted in to that that system far far better. You know, the ball playing in round the back for him to run on to, um, but also to be fair to him, uh, and this was something that sort of you know it stuck out like a sore thumb last season when he did come on. He his first touch was was looking really shady, wasn't it? Yeah. But then you know yesterday when he was when he was playing and there was sort of interplay with with Keener and and the other midfielders around him, because there was a sort of a plan of right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay off the ball now and I'm off and I know that you're gonna know to play the ball to me. It, it was like well there was it was joined up. It, that's that's what you're supposed to do. So many times last season it would be. I'm coming on to replace Troy Deeney, right? Well, the ball's still being lumped up to me, but I'm not Troy Deeney, so what are you doing? Um, or, you know, if he was given a, you know, a very rare opportunity from from the start, then it wasn't necessarily that the system suited him. So, yeah, I mean, you you have to sort of clean slate everyone, don't you? And and go well, yeah. If if you can do that and you can and you can play like that, then then great, you know. And there was that moment where he burst through in the in the second half. I think it was right at the beginning of the second half, wasn't it? And he had two two Spurs defenders around him. He still managed to get his shot away. Yes, it went wide, but it was really encouraging. So fingers crossed, he can he can he can do well. I mean, there is always the chance that they think, well, you know, if if an offer comes in for him, you know, he has a, you know, really strong first month of the season and someone actually goes oh yeah maybe we could we could take him then they will also probably have in the back of their mind well if we can recoup some of the 18 million pounds that we mm-hmm. we spent on him then yeah that's someone that we could maybe maybe do without but in the same regard if he comes in and, and scores goals then great because that's another subplot to Ivic, isn't it that as i understand it from you know what he did at previous clubs it was often a situation where there would be you know, either a lot of young players or players that were sort of being drawn back in after loans or, or sort of um, they were only able to bring in loan players at Maccabi, 
that he had to improve players. So if he can improve Andre Gray, then we might get back to the player that we thought we were signing in the first place. So great. He took his he cool. took his penalty as well as well, didn't he? I, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I, I didn't didn't even mention the goal, did I? <laughs> <laughs> it, it always worries me when I see a player taking a short run up for a penalty because you think it's oh it's mm. going to be a, a weak penalty, but he's put it right in the corner and Joe Hart's gone the right way. He's read it, but still couldn't get close to it because he's placed it and placed it hard right into the corner. So good pen. But there's there's one other thing on, on Andre Gray, and this is just sort of this isn't something that I know from knowing him because I don't know him personally. I don't think I've ever I've interviewed him once, once or twice. Um, but as I understand it, he's a really popular presence in the in the um, in the dressing room, and he's a good pro. And that's 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 you know that can't be underestimated. And I know obviously at the end of last season there was the hoo ha with the, you know the the football party that he had, <laughs> going back to the sort of school, um, <laughs> school analogies. You know, like my my son has lots of um, football parties that he goes to. I'm surprised that it was <laughs> a football party for someone who's probably in his you know his mid to late twenties. But anyway, that was unfortunate. I think we just have to sort of forget about last season. And if people pitch up perform well this campaign then we have to get behind them so good luck to definitely him. yeah definitely because I, I was I have to speak up because I was obviously incredibly critical of of that situation and and, and coming off the back of that performance but you know they, these are our professionals he's obviously going to be given the chance to to turn it around and I think we we have to support him in that I think he will appreciate hopefully that 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 was a mistake and I think he will appreciate that it didn't didn't help Watford at that time but it's a fresh start isn't it and I think we need to get behind anyone who's willing to work for work for this football club and work to make this championship season a success. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the experts in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and Manscaped have just launched in the UK. We've been going for years without using the right tools for the job. So you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped life-changing products. They're Third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents and the water resistant technology allows you to groom whilst in the shower. How helpful. And we've got a special offer for you right now for listening to From the Rookery End. You can get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D dot com. That's 20% free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. You're listening to From the Rookery End. On The Athletic, um, if you want to get free 30 days trial of The Athletic, go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. You get three free for 30 days uh, and once you signed up for the year you get it for about 16p a day which is which is not a lot of money at all adam you've written a piece uh, into on the athletic today it came out uh, called watford's best 11 for this coming season it's not a, a choice for, for middlesbrough particularly but it, it, you, you've made these choices we'll talk about that in a minute because the interesting thing at the moment is who on earth did you pick from? Because it's a little bit cloudy. It's a little bit, I don't know, we're not quite clear on who's a Watford player and who's not. Uh, because they, they're not a lot's coming out from the football club. We're not quite sure why. They haven't said. But but we, we do know that we've had two players come in. Uh, one is in Gakia uh, and one is Glenn Murray. I don't know about you, Jason, but when you first heard Glenn Murray coming in and Watford buying Glenn Murray, it was like, oh no, that's a that's a backward step. But then when you heard it was a loan, you go, hey, that's very shrewd. Yeah, that's very shrewd. But he's he's certainly the type of player we wanted uh, to add to this uh, to Watford lineup uh, in terms of a uh, striking force. We know with Glenn, he's got a good experience of the uh, the championship, and we talked earlier about how Ivic we think likes to get crosses into the box earlier with the wing backs or the wingers, depending on how he's set up to play, and that will absolutely suit Glenn Murray and the way he plays, um, suit his game down to down to a tee. The the concern and and the first thing I looked up when I heard we were signing Glenn Murray was to look at his age because I thought, oh, he's been around a bit, um, and he is quite an old man in footballing terms it seems a bit harsh for, for in footballing terms my age yeah to say that um, but in footballing terms he's quite quite old so you, you don't see him as a, as a as a starting player but someone who can come off the bench maybe if we need to change the way we are playing um, obviously we started yesterday with three relatively 
smaller players in those advanced attacking positions. We're not going to be sort of launching up to the up, up to them for them to, to win headers against big championship centre-backs. But if we need to do that late on in games, you can see Glenn Murray being a, a big part of that. So with his, with his, his experience, his nous, he could be someone that could turn games around for us, maybe to go on and pick up points where we haven't started games so well. That, that's how I would see him fitting into our, into our team. I think you're a bit harsh on him there, John, saying you were a bit um, underwhelmed. I think, if you think as a Watford supporter, okay, slipping back into negative mode here, Glenn Murray is the sort of player that if you're a Watford supporter, he comes on and you think, well, he's going to score against us. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's definitely going to score against us. And I think every other club, probably, or the majority of clubs in the Championship, they're, they're supporters. If they were given the opportunity to have Glenn Murray playing a... I don't think he's going to start every game by any, any means, is he? And for, for the reason that, that, that Jace out, uh, outlined there, he's not, a, you know, he's not in the... It's not his first rodeo, is it? But what a, what a huge talent. What a, what a, we saw, you know, those goals we saw him sticking in in, in training were, were quite nice to see, weren't they? But he's just been there and done it. And we know that... We've talked about the, uh, about the youth players that are, that are coming through and how positive we are about them. But ultimately, they haven't done it yet. They haven't actually performed at this level. They haven't actually delivered anything yet. Whereas Glenn Murray has. has. He knows his way around the division. He knows his way around a dressing room. I think, you know, we saw a, a, an emotional goodbye from Aurelio Gomez this week. So um, we've talked about some of the other senior pros perhaps not being around in the dressing room. Whether or, or not that's a bad thing remains to be seen. But I, th- I think it's an incredibly canny signing and, and while it doesn't get the, the, the juices flowing perhaps as like Luis Suarez does or uh, or some of the other sort of younger brighter players that we haven't seen much of you know goal scoring pedigree is very very hard to, to come by goal scoring pedigree in the championship when you know we talked about how difficult it was to get up last time we had to win games we had to grind games out we had to get results in diff- difficult situations and Glenn Murray is someone who can come on give you t- 20 minutes half an hour 15 minutes whatever of real striking footballing know-how and I think getting him in the building was was a tremendous piece of business for uh, he, I think he's still um, he's, he still seems hungry you know looking at his social media media he's, he's, he's just talking about carrying on and getting back to Brighton and scoring goals there so I'm all for it I think it's I think it's a, a clever clever signing and I don't think we should sort of um, it's, it's easy to get a bit starstruck as supporters we like to see the big names or the, the the players with with pedigree in the Champions League and all this and all that I don't think necessarily we need that all the time we need someone who can turn up score goals go home onwards in terms of uh, other incomings, Adam, again, we're not sure. Um, we're doing the old school, bringing some players in for Moodinese. Um We got to see one yesterday um, being uh, Sierra Alta in defence, but there's possibility of, of a few more coming for Moodinese. Yes, and I think it, it is something that is a, a wise choice from, from Watford, really, because they've got an opportunity to take some players on loan from the sister club, and and utilise something that a lot of other clubs don't have. So we're just sort of taking advantage of, of a privilege that we have. Obviously, it has to fit within the rules and there are limitations on how many players you can bring on loan. So it might mean that, you know, if they bring in three or four or four or five, then some will have to be signed. Only some can be on loan. So they have to work all that out. Um, and, it, and it seems as if they have been sort of trialling a few um, my understanding is, and this is, uh, you know, my current standing on Sunday morning at 09.50, is that um, Stipe Peritza, who is a, a striker, he is going to come in on, on a season-long loan. I think, you know, it, it's not nailed on, and it was mentioned in commentary yesterday by John Marks, who obviously is, you know, he's a, a club commentator, but he's also effectively working for the the football club as, as one of the comms officers. You know, he was saying that he's on trial, uh, Sierra Alta. Um, but, it, you know, he has played in both of the, the friendly games. And I would, I would say it's probably looking more likely than not that he is going to be brought into the side. They have got other irons in the fire. I know that they were um, considering Williams, um, Troost Ikong, uh, also from Udinese, but he's been back at uh, Udinese recently, in, involved in their pre-season um, training camp and, and things like that. So maybe that one's a little bit more distant. Uh, they had been linked with other centre-halves as well. They were probably thinking, right, well, let's. we need to have a look at Ben Wilmot, how he sort of comes back from that knee injury. The fact that he's come back and done really, really well, I think he's going to be almost a, an automatic pick for, for next season. So, um, you know, it, it's how many more defenders they need to bring in. 
And then elsewhere, they might actually think, right, well, there is a you know a midfielder here if we can't quite get the, the replacement for Decore that we want, or if we're happy with, with Tom Delibashiru, um, or we're happy with Tom Cleverly filling in for that position, or if Will Hughes is going to be leaving, or if Etienne Capoue is going to be leaving, you know, they might they might be able to call in a loan down the line that that fits the bill that we might not know about, um, and they have been linked with other other midfielders as well. So, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things to be to be sorted out. But going back to your original um, question, yes, I think they will they will utilize it, and yeah, it might put some people's uh, noses out of joint, but. Who cares? Uh, it's it's it, it, it. If it's within the rules, then Bob's your uncle, as they say in in Udine. <laughs> <laughs> the other play, uh, position, uh, Adam, in terms of incomings, uh, that's sort of been again stuff being said here, there, and everywhere. Uh, Sam Hutchinson, defensive midfielder from Sheffield Wednesday, and also Matt Grimes, uh, possible uh, from Swansea. That that seems to be saying to me, we actually still need, even though we saw such a fantastic performance from the slightly more mature uh, Tom Cleverley and the young whippersnappers of uh, Tom Delibashiru and, and, and Domingos Quina, that we still need a little bit of championship experience and they're, they're thinking about that at least, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I know that those two players are, are definitely um, on the sort of the list of, of, of interested players. I think the Matt Grimes one might have slightly, slightly drifted with the fact that there was that initial interest and then he played for Swansea against Newport um in their in their cup game so you know if you, if if the if the transfer was imminent you might have thought well he he might have been pulled out of that that side but then again you know that the domestic windows is open until October the 16th so you know that could be revisited down the line um Sam Hutchinson is someone that was out of contract after sort of you know, quite a few years of loyal service to, to Sheffield Wednesday. He's a little bit older, but he is wily, as you said. You know, a bit of um, uh, streetwise championship knowledge wouldn't go amiss, especially because you know the season is so is so quick paced, and you are you are going to need squad depth. It might reflect the fact that you know they are thinking, well, we may well lose Etienne Capu, and we may well lose Will Hughes as well, so they are going to need to be replaced. That's not nailed on, and I think that that very much comes down to, to the individuals there. Um, you know, there has been talk about Tottenham. <laughs> I quite like that. I quite like the fact that um, it, it's termed in in the media sometimes as. Tottenham are preparing a bid as if they have to sort of, you know, write it down on paper, make sure it's got a nice front cover and send it through and laminate you know, it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> laminate it, send it through. Um, but I, I mean, I, I can also understand the, the terminology of that, that they are sort of interested and they are trying to scope out whether um, X amount of money will will actually get him by having sort of, you know, sounding out conversations with agents and and things like that. I can understand it as well. But um, so th- those are, are, are things to consider in terms of um, the, the two midfielders that have been linked. There's also been um, discussions had, I understand it, with um, representatives working for, for Barcelona uh, regarding Oriel Busquets. That is a, another link that is um, that does have some legs, but I'm not sure whether that is, is going to be doable for the time being. Um, he was out on loan uh, last season out in um, the Eredivisie. Uh, so that is another one as well. So there are quite a few irons in the fire at the moment, but it does it does also very much depend on clubs coming in for the players that they think that these prospective players are are going to replace. So it must be such a difficult time I think. In particular teams dropping out of the of the Premier League when you know that there's going to be such a high amount of of squad churn to to know whether right do I get the player in first or do do we, it's like being a homeowner isn't it? It's like in a chain that everything has to fit together at the precise moment. It's like Great Scott Marty, we have to sort of get those get those um, those cables together outside the town hall for the for the um, <laughs> you know for the time travel to, to actually happen at that precise moment. Um, so before before uh, Sar hits eighty miles an hour, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, and whizzes through your legs like flames. Yeah, exactly. So there's so many things going on. I know that there is definitely interest in, in players that they want to bring in in midfield and pr- pretty much in every position because they have to cover 
all positions and all eventualities because at the end of the day if if a, a a big offer comes in for any of those senior players and that's the likes of um Delefeu, Dini, Saar, Pereira, even Ben Foster who might be, you know, whipped away from us if if a, a Chelsea or a Tottenham need a backup goalkeeper and he's quite happy quite happy to do it. You have to you have to keep everything um in the in the potential list. Uh, in this scenario and and you know you have to feel for for Vladimir Ivic at this time and he's probably doing it the right way you know getting a team ticking along that might not be full of the players that are potentially going to leave I think that's that's a very prudent way of of behaving at the moment. So you pick this team Adam out of basically yeah. players we think are there going to be there might be there um, yeah. and, and you've gone for a 3-4-3 three, three. Uh, Ben Foster in goal uh, and a back three though of Wilmot starting Cathcart and Dawson why why what about Christian what about Capacelli uh, it was a really tough challenge this and there are sort of very many caveats to this lineup that it's sort of in ideal circumstances that was the caveat that I came up with that if all goes to plan and that can affect you know players reaching their potential and the the standards that we know that they are capable of this is the side that i would i would pick if they were sort of on it and in full flow but it also depends on what players are actually going to remain at the club so yeah i went with wilmot cathcart and dawson as 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 the back 3 i thought dawson was encouraging towards the end of last season and i think if i was to put dawson and cabasele head to head I would probably still pick Dawson simply because of his experience. I, I also can't forget Cabasele's missed header in the box at the Emirates. And when it set up um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I just thought, come on, come on. But then at the same time, if Vladimir Ivic is going to get hold of these players and improve them, then there is no reason why Christian Cabasele cannot get back to the standard. So it was, a t- it was a tough pick. I had to pick three and I went for Cathcart alongside Dawson and Ben Wilmot because I think he's going to be built around... So the midfield yep. four, Adam, uh, you, we've already talked about them today after yesterday's game. It's Stupinian uh, and, and Gakia on the, as the wing-backs. But your midfield two of Will Hughes and Etienne Capoue. Capoue, I think, is the one that surprised me the most because he really hasn't been around the, the, the squad and he's in that sort of headspace of mine of, you know, you, you probably need to leave to, to change the, the club culture. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Um, and, and this, incidentally, this isn't the starting eleven that I think will will turn out against Middlesbrough. This is more the the best eleven that we could put put out on current players that are registered to the football club <laughs> that we know about. Pretty, yeah, that we definitely know about at the moment. Um, but I just think if both Hughes and Capu were to stay at the club, then they would be in the starting lineup, and I think that they can also do the job that is required uh, of the new head coach. With Etienne Capou, you have to think, if he is at the football club, he is going to be an integral part of that midfield. And, you know, I have, ever since he signed at the club, I've always thought he could be doing even more. And then when we when we saw him play to his maximum capabilities, when he was bursting forward with the ball, carrying it forward, or doing a you know a lone buccaneering press to to really sort of push the opposition back, when you see him doing those things, you think, wow, he is absolutely exceptional. And obviously, we know about his range of passing; he can chip in with goals as well. That if he is you know that that player in this system. It could be, you know, absolutely fantastic. So, it would be great if he was, he, if he was playing and and here and in this side and doing all these things fantastically well. Um, you have to also throw in, you know, will players that don't get moves away that really want to move, will they will they be as motivated? But these are all sort of uncertainties at the moment. And again, it's, there are so many uncertainties involved in, in picking the side. So I thought, look, if, if, if we manage to keep hold of Hughes and manage to keep hold of Capu, then play them in, in the midfield and, and jobs are good. Your front three are one player we 
don't think is going to be here. We, we always thought it wasn't going to be here. One we're excited about, and the other one who we don't even really know if he's definitely here. Um, again, this is where we are at the moment with with the club. You you got Queen on the on the left, Suarez in the middle, uh, and Ishmael Azar, uh, who we always have to give his full name uh, on the right. If we manage to keep hold of Ishmael Assar, then that would be incredible because I think he'll do untold damage to to defences in in the championship. And you know, as as a sort of an explainer as to why I've got them set out as we basically had a front three um, last year and last season, even though we've now changed our system, is that I thought right, well. If Ishmael Assar is going to play and he is going to play on the right-hand side or is preferred on the right-hand side, then we have to have a balanced, um, you know, symmetrical front three. So we'd have to have someone over on the left-hand side, even though I know full well that Domingos Kina um, could operate on the tip of a midfield three um, as a number 10. He could play anywhere in that midfield, as we were mentioning before, but it has to sort of have some sort of balance. But then also, we know full well that Saar might not just be kept out on the on the right-hand side. He could play as a central striker, and it may well be that that's where he ends up playing. And then the, the Luis Suarez element to it is, you know, I've, I've basically put him ahead of players that we know full well have proven pedigree as as Mike was saying you know how can you put someone that we haven't even seen really play apart from a snippet against Gunthorpe on the on those minimal highlights that we got um ahead of Glenn Murray ahead of Troy Deeney ahead of Andre Gray you know ahead of others ahead of João Pedro potentially as well well I'm basically going on on the potential and the feeling at the football club that these are the the players of the future. So that's why I've selected him in the middle. And I know that that formation, people will go, well, that's not the formation that Ivic plays. Well, I know. I know that. But, you know, those two, Kina and Saar, could be slightly narrower and play sort of inside forwards as, as, as Ivic likes to play. But I had to come up with some sort of formation to get all these players in. And then, you know, by October the, the 17th, when we play against Derby County, <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, nine or ten of those players will have left. And, you know, it'll be me and Mike at centre-halves, uh, Jace on the right. You know, as it stands, if that if we if we were able to turn out those players in some sort of combination, then I think we'd be doing all right. Yeah, absolutely. And dare we dream. I think this is the time, probably. I I've been grappling with this for the last sort of three, four, however long it has been since the since relegation was confirmed. You know, dare we dream that we can keep keep some of these players. I mean, Saar is the one that is tantalising, isn't it? Because like you say, Ad, he could do just extraordinary damage in the championship. He's making the right noises in his in the one interview he's he's done. It sounds like he's he's willing to, to stick it out. But of course, the reality is, and the same probably goes for Caputo to a slightly less degree, he's too good for the championship. Um, and he will certainly have his eyes set on higher things at, at some stage, whether it's this year, next year, or, or the following year, or, or whatever soon um, but ultimately with Saar it's going to take a big big money bid from a serious player isn't it to, to prize Ishmael Saar away um, and this is I think this is helpful what, what you've done Adam because what it, it provides us with what could be a realistic 11 it's currently what's at our, our disposal isn't it and looking at it it does it does tell you that, that there is talent in the, the squad and there is that nice mix of uh, of of, uh, of experience and, and youth and people to prove with people with something to prove people who uh, people who have been around a bit but the other thing of course it does it does it does give us that tantalizing glimpse as to what we could have and also a reminder that as you say within a couple of weeks it could all be taken away so i think as supporters it's it's so difficult, isn't it? I don't remember a season anything like this. And I think there's so many other factors leading into it. The economic situation. Are there big transfer fees going to be floating around big enough to, to prize prize assets away from, from clubs like Watford? So I've never known anything like it. And but it's, so, but it's nice to have this as a sort of working document, if you like, as a this is what we could have on. You know, it's only a couple of days away now. And this is this is a this is a side that we could have. And, and it's a good one. But do we let ourselves dream that we're going to see Kapoo in the middle with Hughes in? in the championship and, and Saar down the right and then you know Pedro being able to come on down the left Suarez doing doing bits and bobs down the middle Glenn Murray to come and there's a potential for it to be really exciting in there but it's, it's I say it again dare we dream we're going to see these players it's so hard isn't it at the moment well it's a long time until the transfer window closes it's actually 40 days uh, until the 16th of October <laughs> so like you say this this could be very very different um, from very very soon or very very slowly which i think is is probably the the, the biggest problem I, ha- I have jason about this 
Did it feel like we're going to have a slow start to the season, even though we saw a pacey performance from from Watford yesterday? Yeah, it's 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 hard to predict, isn't it? I and and you probably don't just want to look at Watford in in this sense. You look at the other clubs as well. What have they been doing transfer wise? Okay, they haven't got the or the majority haven't got the tumultuous effect of being relegated from Premier League to Championship, but they still had a shortened pre-season to try and, uh, and and adjust for the for the new season and make their their business. Other clubs will be in similar positions to us, so it's really hard to tell how it will affect affect all those sides. Now we we might be lucky in that we've seen in our pre-season friendlies we've we've used fringe players the likes of Kina and Deli Bashiru that have been around the club for some time uh, and, and have looked good so far. So perhaps that will be an advantage to us and we'll actually be able to hit the ground running better than some of the other clubs. And it depends on how how much of a, a turnaround, how much of a cycle of players that, that they will have. I think we've got the quality there. I think we've got the attitude there. We certainly saw from the example that Adam uh, gave us earlier with the, the, the team tracking back in an entirety to, to defend in late in the first half. Um I think we've got the pieces in place. There will be some changes, but I think I would see that as an excuse rather than a reason if we did get off to a poor start. Friday night, Adam. Watford at home to no crowd whatsoever, but the championship season is starting. Are you looking forward to it? Are you, do, you think, do you think we're ready for it? I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really, really excited that there is going to be um, a new approach there's going to be a new feeling around the team. Yes, and that we've to- we've spoken about this um, before, and it was something that Scott Parker pointed out when he was speaking about Fulham after their relegation. Yes, there's going to have to be sort of a change in mood and all that sort of stuff. But it seems as if the main thing is that there is an organised team out there that are on the same page as the manager. There is going to be something different happening. And after the, you know, the, the mayor that was... 2019-20 that just went on and on and on and all those head coaches and all that misery um, then I'm just looking forward to, to starting afresh and just one other thing you know when we were talking about when Mike was saying earlier on about yes dare we dream about having those players in the side yeah fine if 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 they are there then brilliant but if they all go then it doesn't matter they wanted to go. They didn't want to be part of it. And there will be players that I believe will be motivated to be in that side. And if it takes, you know, if, it, if that means that it takes two seasons to get up, then, then so be it. But I, I've got faith at the moment. I don't know whether it's blind or whether it's well-placed, but I'm hoping that it is well-placed, that the head coach um, can get whatever players and whatever hand he has dealt into a decent position to, to be challenging in the right half of the division next season. So, yes, as you can tell, I'm feeling positive looking forward to the season. Let's see how Mike feels. Mike, <laughs> I, I, you know, you say you dream at keeping these players. Are you dreaming? How high are you dreaming for Watford well, this year? This, this is the best possible time for any football supporter, isn't it? The start of the season, everyone's starting on zero points. Anything is possible. And, you know, this is, this is a, a great opportunity to, for Watford to, to bounce back quickly. All being well, we should be we should be a force in this division. All being well, we should be challenging for promotion. All being well, we should be... I didn't what... ask you all being well, Michael. I asked you, where are you dreaming? <laughs> where are you dreaming? Well, put it this way. Uh, I'm looking up where the best way to get to Leighton Orient. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I am dreaming. I'm, I'm like Adam. I'm excited, raring to go again. Um, yesterday was was great watching Watford in action. Yesterday, I think there was enough signs there to show that Ivic has stamped his authority on this team. Enough signs, enough signs to show that the players are are in line and giving it in their all. There was a quote from Mourinho that how seriously Watford took took that pre, their pre-season friendly, which he was impressed with. I think we've been impressed by it. I think championship sides will have will have sat up and, and taken note. Neil Warnock will have been watching, no doubt. This is you know, what as Adam said, even if we do lose some of the marquee players, there is still a squad of players at Watford Football Club that can do a serious job this season. So yeah, I'm excited. You know, let's let's not we can't, let's not be coy about it. Promotion is the aim. Um and it would be nice if we're gonna get it to go one better than last time and win win the championship. Why not? We've got to aim high. Let's go for it, let's get it, let's get a pot on the on the shelf back in the Premier League um, and we'll remind everyone what we can do 
We shall see what happens this Friday when Watford are live on the telly uh, against Middlesbrough. Thank you very much, Adam. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Michael. No worries at all. Come on, you horns. Yellows, yellows. And thank you, Jason. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for listening to From the Rookery End. Remember, you can get your subscription at theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. And of course, if you listen to the podcast on the Athletic app, you get them absolutely ad free. Uh, and you can keep in touch via the social medias at Watford Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. A new season and some great moments. Fingers crossed. Come on, you horns.